Hold on, before before we get out of here, can I ask you guys? Did you all find Jack X Combat Racing in the arcade? Yes, I did. Yeah. Well done to all three of us. You are listening to Trophy Horse with your host, Tricky Mick, Alex, I yield to no one, Steve, and Sid. And welcome to Trophy Horrors. This is episode 440. I'm your host, Chicky Mick. Alongside with me, the man, the myth, the legend, it's Alex. And we are starting 45 minutes late because I can't plug in an audio jack. Yield is not here, so there's not going to be any awesome. Well, actually, I take that back. There's always awesome on these episodes. But we do have a special guest. A longtime listener has been listening for over seven years. It's Mark. Mark, how you doing, Mark? Not too bad, Chuck. How are you? Oh, the accent. You must be from across the pond. Definitely. <laughs> uh, th- th- this accent ain't going to translate well either. <laughs> no, I-, I think our listeners would much, much rather hear your accent than my Kentucky accent, my twang. I don't know. Or, or don't my know. New York slash Virginia accent. Your New York gangsta accent. Y'all come back now, you hear? Let's see what comments you get. I, you know what? I bet the listeners are tired of hear, I'm tired of hearing you say Mario like you say Mario. Because I pronounce it the Italian way. Mario. Just like mozzarella. As, uh, who was, up it, as it a was Jared, I think, that pointed out that you say it like moose rail. I still can't get that out of my head every time I, I think about mozzarella. <laughs> what, <would> you, <laughs> what were you saying, Mark? I said, put it up as a pole, because you'll no doubt lose it, like the um, crash and spiral pole. Oh, Mark's doing my fighting for me. I didn't even have to say anything. Because you guys still don't understand the argument. I had an opinion on that pole. I put my opinion on there, and Alex was 100% correct. Oh, we're not we're not going down this path again for third ep- straight episode. Yeah, no, we don't want Levi to shit a brick house. <laughs> Alright, let's do as we do every week and give you our updated trophy count. I am level 56, total trophies of 13,158 with 242 platinums. Alex? Level 31, total trophy count of 6,974 with a platinum count of 103 and 102 games. And uh, we'll throw it to, to Mark here, who should probably replace me on the show, given his trophy count. Definitely not. I'm level 33, 7,991 trophies. Um, and 129 Platinums. I got another one this morning. Oh, what'd you get this morning? Persona 5 Royal. I got the uh, sneak peek. He told me that while you were you were out smoking, Tricky. Oh, well, you know, nobody needs to know I'm smoking. Come on. Everybody knows you're smoking. I actually bought a second copy of the game because they released two different styles of the game. They had just Persona 5, then Persona 5 Royal, and the Royal had an easier trophy list, so I bought the second one just so I could actually get the Platinum in a Persona game. All right, so we got to ask you, because obviously you are a uh, a trophy whore, so to speak. <laughs> um, do you have any shameful Platinums? Oh, God. Uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. None as bad as yours. I was looking through oh, your li- I was looking through I was looking through your list before because I thought, hold on, last time I looked, you had like 180 Platinums, and now you've got 242. Um, so I was looking through and I thought, I've never heard some of these games. 
Well, a couple of them are Japanese visual novels. So. A couple of them, like 30, 40 of them are. Actually, I think I think it's actually closer to like 70 of them. <laughs> I got two tro- uh, Platinums for My Name is Mayo. That's nothing wrong with that. Now, do you have the ha- you have Hannah Montana? No. What? No. That's like a staple of a, a true trophy whore. I've got some real Platinums. I've got Last of Us. See, that... I, I've said on the show, and a lot this confuses a lot of people, I'm never going to get that Platinum because I don't want to go through that game on Survivor mode. See, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard. It's very hard. But it's worth, worth it. Well, it's, it's not even that it's hard. It's because I have such fond memories of the game because obviously I've said it on the show many, many, many times. It's my favorite game of all time. I just don't want to sour the memory of having to struggle to go through that on Survivor. So I, I just choose not to go for that platinum. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I'm glad they didn't put difficulty settings into the new one for trophies. All right. So uh, yield is level 30 total trophies of 6,610 with 100 and, uh, excuse me, 109 platinums. And Sid is level 41 total trophies of 9,824 with 171 platinums. All right. So we're going to get into what we're playing. Mark, let's start off with you. What have you been playing besides Persona 5 Royale? I was just telling Alex, I've just started one of his favorite games. I've had it sat on my shelf for quite a while, Akame. Absolutely. So yeah, Akame and Ease 8, which you've probably never heard of, but yeah, Japanese game. Is it a novel? <laughs> no, no, it's a Japanese role-playing game. They're, if you look through my list of trophies, you'll see that there's a lot of Japanese role-playing games where you have to sort of invest 100-plus hours in for absolutely nothing. All right. I was going to say, I'd prod Mark a little more for his opinion on Kami, because that's one of the games that I always love hearing what people think, but he's just kind of freshly starting it. It just looks like Zelda. It, just, it reminds me of Zelda. Just say, well, yeah, I mean, there are heavy heavy Zelda influences in there. You will get that, that feel from it, but certainly not in the, the graphical art style. No, it, it, looks, it looks stunning. It's an absolutely stunning-looking game, even though it's a PlayStation 2 game. Yeah, as, as Mark and still I were talking about, like, that kind of game holds up really well, even today. Definitely. All right, Alice, what have you been playing, sir? Jumping back into some Rocket League for the fifth anniversary event, getting some balloons so I can get some uh, some special goodies to customize in my garage, put on my car. And, uh, you know, as always, I love going back to Rocket League. And I have delved further into The Last of Us Part 2. As I was telling Tricky and Mark into this, I'm really deep in the story, and uh, I don't know at what point we want to, um, you know, put a spoiler tag. We won't, we won't do that here. But uh, just kind of like some more of my thoughts on the game. Uh, I still like the story. Uh, I like the direction Naughty Dog chose. I understand people are upset about it, but um, when the big thing happened... I wasn't mad at... I was mad, but I wasn't mad at Naughty Dog. I was mad at characters in the game. So... Uh, what? Oh, hold on, you gonna stop me? No, no, no. I, I, I thought you were finished. I was gonna say that uh, later in the show, during our topic of the week, we are gonna discuss some uh, Last of Us uh, spoilers, but... When we get to that point, I would clearly put out the fact that we're going to go into spoilers. And uh, as Alex says the show, uh, I'm going to tell him to give me a timestamp so I can record a little thing saying, hey, if you don't want to hear spoilers, jump to this part of the show. Because uh, 
when we go into a topic of the week, we, you know, to discuss it, we have to talk a little with spoilers. So, yeah, I mean, like, I'll just kind of go into it like very general. I'm not going to give any spoilers here, but just kind of my, my thoughts. Um, again, I like the story. I like the direction Naughty Dog took it in. Um, it does have some very powerful punches in there that were bound to ruffle some feathers, ruffle a lot of feathers, actually. But, uh, I mean, I like it. I, you know, I one of my biggest gripes, and I was telling Mark this, is that the game feels too long. I feel like it every they, they like it's cut up into days, and I feel like they could have cut a little bit out of each day, like maybe some of the exploration, maybe some of the, like the combat, um, just to kind of shorten and tighten it up. Because there are certain sections in that game where like I'm trapped in a house with like a bunch of clickers and a shambler, and like I have to play it over and over again, and I finally get out with my life, and it's like okay, well this day lasts another hour, two hours. Like God, can this just be over? So I feel like they could have tightened it up and shortened the, shortened the game a little bit, and I'm not even all the way through. Tricky, you said it what took you 32 hours to beat it. I think I think my total time was uh, 28 hours. Yeah, I mean you are traveling across a city, so my guess is that they wanted to give you the feel that you were actually traveling across a city in like a kind of a um, appropriate distance to make you feel like you were actually uh, on this great journey every day, or you kind of like were putting forth all that effort every day. But again, like, the, the game just feels long in certain parts, and some of the days just last a little bit too long for my liking. Um, so, and, and I, I'm kind of trying to tread lightly here, because this, this could get spoilery, but <laughs> I, I think that if they're going to take the game in the direction they they were going to, which I mean, which they did, if, if they're taking the game in this direction, I feel like while they did have some good characters and some good story in this game, I feel like, for me, a big problem lies in the fact that they can't top a lot of what they did in the first game. Um, I, I just feel like as far as characters and, and, and like relationships go, like they just weren't able to top, like taking this game in a different direction, they weren't able to top what they did in the first game. And for me, that kind of is kind of a, like a negative factor for me. Like Naughty Dog still does great characters and story, but I feel like there was a lot of room for improvement in this game as far as like the characters go and the relationships they're in. And maybe it's unfair to compare it to like another relationship within the universe, but um, yeah, I just felt like they could have done a little more with those. And then like a, a, just kind of a graphical thing, uh, some of the stuff in this game looks fantastic. Like when you're stealth killing somebody and choking them out, like the looks on their faces and their facial expressions are like, I mean, they look really fantastic. real. And also like when you're, you know, you go to workbench and you're doing upgrades on your guns, like there's a tremendous detail to like the texture of the table and like the guns themselves and you see the like as you like you go through the menu and pick what you want to upgrade and they actually do like different things to the guns and make it look like you're actually working on the gun which is really cool but a lot of the textures in the game and around the city look really bad like i see a game like ghost of Tsushima, and granted it's just, we've just seen trailers but i i feel like the last of us part two doesn't look as good as it should like i'll look at a brick wall and it's just a really flat texture and it's not even just like bad graphics for the sake of like oh it's a derelict world and everything looks like shit because everything's gone to hell it's like the game actually graphically looks kind of ugly because there's i said i i didn't have that problem i thought everything looked beautiful now granted i'm a little biased but i mean i look at certain textures and i'm like that texture looks really flat there's not any details to that texture so to me it's kind of like it takes me out of the experience because i know how what they can do graphically because you know they do have certain moments where everything looks really good and then there's other times when the world just looks kind of flat. 
Well, you're also playing on a uh, a regular PS4. You're not playing on. I was phone, just right? going to say. I was just going to say that. I was just, when I I switch between the two. So if I'm playing upstairs, I play on a regular one. If I'm playing downstairs, I play on a pro. So when I swap to the pro, you can definitely see a difference. Well, that's that's good to know because like I trust in Naughty Dog's ability to make a quality game that looks really good. But Mark and I were also talking about, and maybe this is just the the regular PS4 that you were talking about, Mark. But you said that it's almost like they took the engine from Uncharted Four and just slapped last is part two on it definitely does look like that i mean back to the relationship that you said i think what what i found was they just tried to introduce too many characters so it didn't give long enough for them to develop whereas the first one was just joel and ellie really for long periods of time so you got a long time to develop joel and ella whereas in this one there's loads of different characters all over the show yeah and i definitely think they could have done more with some of the new characters they introduced mm-hmm See, and I also I also think that the people are forgetting, and you know, again, my views on the Last of Us are obviously biased, but I I think a lot of people, uh, when they talk about the relationships with the game and uh, whatnot, he, when Neil Druckmann introduced this game, he was very clear and said the first game was about love. This game is about hate. Well, he hit the nail on the head. When when you took when you. When you base a game around hate, and again, I can't you know really go into it because then I'll be getting to spoiler territory. <laughs> um, when you when you look at that aspect that this game is not about developing that relationship, this is solely about one thing. I I, I hear the criticism, but I'm like I think you're expecting too much. And again, we'll get all into this in, in the episode of PG Spoilers, which we're uh, planning to do. Uh, and, we can fully go into this. Already, but I do, I do want to throw Naughty Dog some love because there are some smaller things in the game that I really love. Like I like a lot of the set pieces, a lot of locations you go to, like everything. There's a lot of variation and all that. And they just do a really good job setting all of that up and, and like, you know, creating these locales. I also really liked um, the like one of my favorite parts about The Last of Us in any of these games is like the scavenging and exploration aspect. And Naughty Dog does a really good job of giving you, like, these break- breakneck paces. Like, there are some chase scenes in this game that are terrifying. And they put you in close quarters with, uh, you know, the uh, the infected that are, are you know, pulse-pounding and frantic. But there's also a lot of segments where you're just exploring, like, this kind of barren world almost. And I, I think that the the exploration of the barren world and, like, just scavenging and collecting and, like, taking in the lore by finding like different documents and papers, like notes and letters that people have written to significant others. They may not see again. Like, I think that's really beautiful. And it, it's like my favorite part of the game. I mean, yeah, the combat is, is frenetic and it can be fun. It can be very emotionally taxing too, but I think that their pacing of the more quiet moments where you're just to yourself and you're preparing where, um, and collecting, you know, alongside the more like combat heavy segments. Like I really, really like how they did that. All right. Uh, not to go back, but I actually messed up. I never. I updated everybody else's trophies. Didn't update mine. Uh, you don't deserve any more 50, trophies. <laughs> uh, I am level fifty six. Total trophies of thirteen thousand one hundred seventy one and two hundred and forty three platinums. I got a new platinum. So, and that was in Devious Dungeons two. Uh, that's what threw me off because I remember I was like, I got a platinum this week. Why am I still at two forty two? All right, uh, so obviously I played Devious Dungeons. I've been playing a little bit of NASCAR Heat 4 and a little bit of Rock Band 4 with, and some Minecraft Dungeons. 
Uh, I haven't touched The Last of Us in about a week since I've beaten the game. Uh, no particular reason. I just haven't gone back to uh, play it other than uh, The Division 2. Uh, their season 2 has started up, so I've been playing a lot of that to catch up on the uh, the week that I was playing The Last of Us. I had to go back and catch up uh, for everything that I missed. Uh, that is all that I have been playing. Let's get into our topics, gentlemen. Our first topic is uh, the Devolver, Devolver Direct, uh, which obviously is an E3 press conference every year, uh, will be online this year, and it will broadcast July 11th at 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. UK. That's for you, Mark. Nice. Uh, and that's actually uh, going to be July 12th at 5 a.m. AEST. I guess that's Australian time. Yeah. The pre-recorded show will be broadcast live on Twitch and Steam and promises, quote, new game reveals, gameplay reveals, release day announcements, and special guests from the, special guests from the industry to help us usher in these important marketing bullet points. If you are looking forward to their uh, press conference, there you go. July 11th at 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. UK time. Uh, you guys ever watched the developer... Uh, d- digital press conference. I, it's that's like a tongue twister. Yeah, I've never seen it, but I do like their games because they made um, Hotline Miami and Oli Ola. Right. Um, and I think that they've got a new one coming out called Carry On, which I have seen a trailer for. Um, and that that looks really interesting. That's where you play as the monster and you've got to go around killing humans. It's in the weird like Metroidvania style levels. It looks quite good. We'll say I never realized how many games I recognized the Devolver Digital made, like uh, like you said, Mark Hotline Miami, but also Enter the Gungeon, uh, as well as Broforce too, or just Broforce as well. Didn't they make the Serious Sam games? That sounds right. Yeah, good games. All right, uh, our next story is Evo Online has been canceled following ag- allegations against the former CEO. Hey all, just a quick note here to give proper credit. This story and the information comes from IGN.com. The story, there's uh, the original story, then there's two updates after this. Uh, Capcom and NetherRealm have announced they will be pulling out of EVO Online due to allegations against EVO organizer Joey Culler. This is part of a larger alleged sexual abuse scandal erupting in the community. NetherRealm's announced it will pull Mortal Kombat 11 from EVO Online lineup on Twitter expressing, quote, solidarity with those who spoke out against abuse. Their tweet says, obviously, uh, same thing. We stand in solidarity with those who have spoken out against abuse. We will be pulling Mortal Kombat 11 from EVO online. Following that, Capcom followed up by stating that the, quote, recent allegations of misconduct against made against Joey Culler as a reason for not participating in EVO, EVO online. Their tweet from Capcom Fighters, says, in light of the recent allegations of misconduct against made against EVO organizer Joey Culler, Capcom will no longer be participating in EVO 2020. Out of respect for those who have been affected and to the current investigation, we felt this was an appropriate course of action. We apologize to the players and fans who are looking forward to these tournaments. Uh, in the past week, several Smash Brothers, Super Smash Brothers, esports commentators, comp, uh, competitors, I'm sorry, and members came forward with allegations of abuse from those within the community. 
well-known personas were implicated on social media as alleged abusers, with some victims reportedly underage when the abuse occurred. Joey Color, president of Evo, faced allegations from members of the community that claimed Color, who goes by the name Mr. Wizard, paid out tokens to local members of an arcade who were underage at the time to jump into a pool in only their underwear. In a statement by Evo, the company announced that, quote, the behavior in these accusations runs directly counter to Evo's mission of building a safe, welcoming environment for all players and attendees. We take this responsibility seriously. Accordingly, Joey has been placed on administrative leave pending a third-party investigation, end quote. Color was one of the many people named in the community-wide scandal that claims widespread special sexual misconduct from within the fighting game community. A similar scandal hit the community last year during EVO 2019. Uh, an update to the story uh, came out saying, Main 6, the developers behind them fighting nerds and Bandai Namco have announced that they will also be pulling out of EVO Online. Bandai Namco's departure means the three lineup titles, Dragon Ball Fighter Z, Soul Calibur 6, and Tekken 7, will no longer be at the event. And then in a statement to IGN, Evo announced that effective immediately Joey Colors will no longer be involved in with Evo in any capacity and that Evo Online is canceled. Uh, Evo's full statement says this, quote, Over the past 24 hours, in response to the serious allegations made, Recently made public on Twitter, we have made it the first of serious and important decisions regarding the future of our company. Effective immediately, Joey Culler will no longer be involved in Evo in any capacity. We are currently working towards his complete separation from the company and relieved him of all his responsibilities. Going forward, Tony Cannon will act as CEO. In his position, he will take a leadership role in prioritizing greater accountability across Evo, both internally and at our events. Progress doesn't happen overnight. And without the bravery of those who speak up against the misconduct and injustice, we are shocked and saddened by these events. But we are listening to and, and committed to making every change that will be necessary in making EVO a better model for the stronger, safer culture we all seek. As a result, we will be canceling EVO online and will work with to issue refunds for all the players who chose to purchase a badge. We will donate the equivalent of the proceeds as promised to Project Hope. And then in another uh, update, which I just saw now, uh, Nintendo has issued a statement to IGN uh, regarding the allegations and says, quote, at Nintendo, we are deeply disturbed by the allegations raised against certain members of the competitive gaming community. They're absolutely impermissible. We want to make it clear that we condemn all acts of violence, harassment against anyone and that we are stand with the victims, end quote. Mark, the floor is yours, sir. See, I'd not heard about this at all until you put it on this agenda. So I don't, I don't really go on Twitter. I don't know whether either of you two go on Twitter. But then I thought, do you know what? You've invited me on the show. I'll take some time and look up one of the topics that you've raised. <laughs> so I thought, uh, 45 minutes I spent reading what this guy had done on Twitter. And then I, I saw his tweets where at first he defended himself by saying it wasn't him. And then he realised that what he'd screenshot was just he'd not changed his he he changed his Twitter handle like two years ago. So then, because he was screenshotting him, now he didn't realise that it was still showing his new handle. So then he had to come out and make an apology. I don't, I don't, I, you. And then there was more stories about other people linked to his stories. And it's, as a father, it was sickening, absolutely sickening. Just, just you're in a position like that 
and you use it to take advantage of people. It, 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 I mean, as a father, I fully stand with you and what you're saying. Uh, this actually deeply disturbs me as well. Uh, but the prob the problem with this is that this. <sighs> I, I'm trying to choose my words carefully. I know where you, I know what you're thinking. I, I could sort of second guess what you're thinking. That do you really want to talk about it? Because it's 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 not necessary to talk about. He's admitted to it, but then there's also that culture now on Twitter of of everyone will jump on a bandwagon despite. Where, I mean, the people were crucifying him before he apologized and admitted guilt. So it doesn't matter whether you've done right for wrong on Twitter. That's why I can't stand the place. See, and, and what I mean, I was kind of going into that. It's because we we kind of touched on it last week about the, this whole cancel culture. Yeah, you know, I'm in no way, shape, or form. Let me be clear: Am I trying to defend anybody in the situation? All I want is the truth to come out, and then let the mob start. Because well, I, don't even, I don't even think let the mob start trick. I think. <laughs> And I don't know like what Alex feels or what you really feel about this, but go down the correct routes. Don't it doesn't take a Twitter pitch for mob to sort a problem out. They're not going to solve anything. Go down the correct p- routes. Call the police. File a complaint with the police or lodge a complaint with the police and let the police deal with it. That's that's what that's what they're there for. You don't need ten million people tweeting. They ten million people on Twitter are solving absolutely nothing. Well, and that's the point is it, it solves nothing other than, I, I mean, obviously the story's had three updates, but in the initial story, it was an allegation. You could surmise from Evo's statement that they're no longer letting him be involved anyway, that something they found out has decided to make them separate. But the problem is, is that you don't know if this guy's actually guilty because Evo is separated because Evo just might be making the choice. Let's just get away from him now before anything does really come out. Yeah. He's come out and put an apology tweet out there that pretty much states that he's guilty. Well, I mean, and like I said, I'm not defending him in any way. But we're not, here to, we're not here to judge this man. Whether, right. <laughs> we're not, that's not our place. That's for that's for a, a jury of his peers and a judge to judge him, not not anyone on Twitter. Let, let, let it go the way it's supposed to go. I, I don't understand that. Maybe I'm just old. I just don't <laughs> understand that part of Twitter. I don't, I don't grasp it, but... I mean, well, I mean, I, the way I feel with the, the public is... This whole mob culture that, you know, somebody nowadays an accusation can destroy somebody. 100%. And that's the sad thing is that it it all it takes is an accusation and you don't even need facts behind it. So, you know, before I say something I regret, Alex, how do you feel? I mean, it's an awful situation. Obviously, he has admitted guilt. So, I mean... I, I can understand that I can understand the desire to distance yourself from him, uh, everyone involved, even beforehand. Um, and I, I think honestly, I think Twitter is just like that's the way it is. It's it's a way for we are all interconnected in the world, and it is easier for everyone. Like the, the speed of information, the way it travels is is just so much faster now. And regardless of whether you agree with how things unfold on Twitter. I mean, that's, it's just the way things are. And 
like I said, it's it's just a shitty situation. I, you know, you hopefully Evo will come back stronger and there will be a more a safer environment for everybody. It's awful and um, yeah, I I don't know what else to say about that. No one's going to defend him and what he did, and the only hope is that Evo can separate from this and just come back stronger next year, and again hold a um a fighting game tournament or you know all hold an event where everyone feels safer and you know a lot of the, like these injustices just don't happen. I I agree. That, that was well that was well put. <laughs> What can you really say? Because you're not going to defend what he did, and you know you're just you're just going to hope for the best for Evo and the people, the, the people who go every year, the ticket buyers who wanted to go for the first experience for the first time this year. Um, so I mean, there's there's not really much you can say. All right, let's move on then uh, to a game that you are very interested in, there, Alex. Crash Bandicoot Four will have over 100 levels. This is coming from an article from IGN. This says, according to an email from GameStop received by fans, the fourth gaming game, fourth coming game will feature, quote, 100 plus levels of play, as well as new game modes when it launches in October. For some pers- perspective, Crash Bandicoot 3 Warped had 32 levels, including bosses and secrets. A Microsoft page for the game also includes a little plus symbol next to the game's price tag, which suggests that the game, quote, offers in-app purchases, end quote, of some kind. It's not clear how these work as of yet, but microtransactions were updated or were added to Crash Team Racing in August of 19 as part of a launch, launch, post-launch update. I can't speak today. Uh, in the race, the spinoff players could purchase, purchase Wampa coins using real-world money, which they could buy then buy cosmetics to trick out their cart. Given that Crash Bandicoot 4 is already offering pre-order skins for its lead characters, we can see a similar system here. Now, before we go uh, start on the comments, there was a follow-up article uh, that's from IGN also saying Crash Bandicoot 4 will not have microtransactions, the developers say. Uh, this article is coming, like I said, from IGN. Uh says, after a notice on the Microsoft Store indicated Crash Bandicoot 4, it's about time would feature in-app purchases. Discussion began about whether or not that meant Crash 4 would include microtransactions at launch. According to developer Toys for Bob, there won't be. And it seems the culprit behind the in-app purchase moniker may be the free cosmetic skins that w- will be available as a pre-order bonus. Toys for Bob has confirmed Crash 4 will, quote, have no microtransactions in a new statement saying, quote, we are seeing confusion about uh, microtransactions in Crash Bandicoot 4. It's about time and want to be uh, totally clear. There are no microtransactions in the game. As a bonus, the totally tuber skins are included in the all in all digital versions of the game. Uh, and that ends the quote. The in-app purchase moniker may lead to assume that there will be DLC, either cosmetic or gameplay-wise, and that Activision will charge players from for from day one. According to the developers, however, there are no microtransactions in this game. Alex, the floor is yours, sir. I mean, I'm I'm going to buy this game and and play it when it comes out because obviously I'm a huge fan of Crash Bandicoot. It's what set me down the path of PlayStation. So I mean the game looks good. A lot of the levels look a lot of like a lot of fun. There's a humongous amount of variety just in any other Crash game. So if you haven't seen the trailer for Crash uh, Bandicoot Four, it's about time. I would 
you know, I would definitely suggest you go watch it because there's a lot there. Obviously, 100 levels is probably, I think it's more than all the three of the, the first three games combined, which is saying something. That's a lot of, of levels. Now, whether those are all like completely original levels, um, like that's that remains to be seen. I don't know. I, I, I just can't imagine how they would put that many levels in a game and have them be just all original and not, you know, have some kind of like cut and paste job or some similarity between some. But uh, there has been footage that surfaced of, of people playing as Cortex. So for part of the game, you will play as Cortex, who, of course, is the big bad. Uh, the whole microtransactions thing, like this goes back to you mentioned Crash Team Racing. Well, before Crash Team Racing came out, Beanox said there would be no microtransactions in the game, and Beanox was the developer. Lo and behold, after the reviews come out, and then, you know, a few months in, you know, as people saw the pit stop, like, you would see people right online, and like, man, this this reeks of microtransactions coming. Like, there is just so many ways that, or at least, you could see Activision trying to profit off this by entering, by putting microtransactions in the game. What do you know? Activision put microtransactions into the game. Even after Beanox said before the game's release, they're not going to be any microtransactions. So Activision's always going to look to make more money. And I, you know, Toys for Bob, like, I don't know. I just don't believe that there will be no microtransactions until we get the game. And it's like a year after the game is released. But I mean, the game looks great. Toys for Bob looks like they're doing, um, like, it's it's going to be, it's going to, it's a step away from, like, the stuff like Crash Twin Sanity and Mind Over Mutant, and more, like, a game closer back to the roots, like we saw on the on the PS1. You know, there's a, a level that includes, um, there's the 2C, 2D side-scrolling parts, but there's also, you know, you see, like, a level in the trailer of uh, Crash running away from a T-Rex, and, like, a, um, and, like, there's all this lava around him, and he's jumping from rock to rock, or at least from rock to path to rock. So, I mean, the game looks good, and it looks like a lot of fun. But, um, you know, how it'll turn out remains to be seen, but I'm, I'm very hopeful. But I just, I don't know if I believe Toys for Bob when they say no, no, no microtransactions. All right. Mark, you have any comments about this? Yeah, I watched the trailer before. I think it looks fantastic. I haven't played the remade trilogy on the PlayStation 4, but I did play them on the PlayStation 1. And this is, this is a, a definite buy. All right. Uh... I, I'm going to be buying the game myself because uh, the goddess is uh, loves Crash as well. But she still agrees that Spyro is more marketable. That's that's fine. <laughs> we, we know. Well, that's one person who agrees with you. <laughs> Actually, she she doesn't have an opinion because I've ever, ever asked her. And she probably doesn't even know that we, we've we been having this fight for three weeks. It hasn't been really much of a fight. <sighs> All right, so our last topic before we get into our topic of the week is the PlayStation VR patent filed for advertisements displayed within the headset. This is also coming from IGN. Uh, A new PlayStation VR patent filed by Sony Interactive Entertainment suggests that the company is working on technology that will allow advertisements to be displayed within the headset. The patent listed from Sony was first discovered by Segment Next, Published on June 25th, it shows a drawings that offer an example of how a virtual reality advertising model may look in practice. It appears that the advertisements will show up in the top corners of the display or as a banner in the middle of the screen. According to the text of the patent, the way advertisements will be displayed depends on the position of the user's head within the head-mounted display and their line of sight. 
The patent describes the advertisements as, quote, additional content, end quote, for, quote, promoting recognition of a given thing or service, end quote. One example used in the text of the user watching the concert with a set of performers appearing at the same time. The technology claims to be a, able to, quote, detect on which performer the user is focusing his or her attention on and then change the advertisement in accordance with the performer of interest, end quote. It should be noted that the patents are not guaranteed of end results and that the company in question is researching and developing such technologies. As such, we can't say if Sony is definitely bringing advertisement pop-ups to PlayStation VR. It certainly lo- it, it is certainly working on the concept, though. So, Alex, I know you don't have a VR, so I'm going to let you go first because I know Mark does have a VR. What do you think about Sony advertising stuff within the, the gaming headset. Well, usually you see advertisements for things that you don't pay for. Like if you have like a game that you play for free in like a browser setting, or you listen to music via, you know, a free account on Spotify or something like that, you have to uh, view adverts just like you would on YouTube. Sometimes you have to watch advertisements because you're not paying for it. If you buy a VR and then they try to advertise to you, that's pretty shitty. Like they shouldn't do that. Like I spent this money on this machine and now you're going to show me advertisements? Why? Not okay. You're you pretty much in line with me, Mark. What do you think about this? I know you own a PlayStation VR. Yeah, I've got I've got the VR. I mean, I I agree with Alex. I just don't I don't see it, that's not gonna that that will happen. Surely they're not gonna allow advertisements while you're playing game because then where does it stop? Well, they say like I don't know if you guys looked up this article. But yeah, I'm looking at the. I, I looked so before. I imagine if you're playing a VR game and you're playing, say, Resident Evil Seven, and there's a can of Pepsi, is that then going to advertise Pepsi in the top right hand corner? Well, see that that's also I think, but like when you obviously when you have the VR on, like the whole screen is being taken up. Like if they start advertising Pepsi, like you said, that breaks the immersion, and part of the VR is the immersion. Yeah, and next they'll sell you a, a premium VR service where you have no ads on there. See, I mean, I can understand like the like the article saying like if I'm sitting there with the VR and I'm watching a Metallica concert. And, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and then, yeah, and then an ad comes up and says, "Hey, buy Metallica tickets here to go see them live." That I'm okay with, but if I'm playing a video game, I don't want to see no ads ads in my headset. No. Imagine midway through The Last of Us if an advert for something Ghost of Shashima popped up. Right. You'd be, you'd be fuming. It just, yeah, I, I don't see it working. I don't even play PlayStation aren't going to go for that. They might trial it, but I, I don't see that washing. I mean, the VR is already struggling. I, see, everybody says it's struggling. I don't think it's struggling. There is no games. I own it, and I've got a fair few games, and the, the, none of the games are, are spectacular. I've, I've tried to buy the AAA titles, Skyrim, uh, Borderlands, uh, Resident Evil 7. They Did don't work. They don't, no, no, I haven't. That's the one that I haven't played, but I've heard it's amazing. Resident Evil 7 is, is very, very good, but it's very intense, so you get motion sickness very... Even if you don't get motion sickness playing that game, you will get motion sickness. Um, the other ones are just just a disgrace. They're a waste of time. All right, have you played um, Astrobot Rescue Mission? 
I've played Astro World yet. And you didn't like that? I, I, I didn't not like it, but you're probably talking a handful of games for a, what was it? 400, 400, and a, well, 400 and a pound for, or 300 and a pound for, for the system. We're talking, I, I could probably count five or six games on there that I've really enjoyed. Oh, no, I'm not. Listen, I love my VR and I accept the criticism that there are not many uh, good games out there. Uh, I mean, a, a majority, and I would say a good probably 85 to 90% of the stuff out there are basically glorified tech demos. Oh, 100%, yeah. Uh, but The experience that, is fantastic. I know what right. you're going to... Like, I've heard you talk about the VR before, and you're 100% you're spot on, but don't sell me a 300 and a pound experience. That's the, that, with the promise of further experiences down the line that don't come. There's a few, like I say, there's five, six, seven games. The PlayStation, the Sony do it quite a lot. The... Um, the Vita, although that had a ton of games, I understand that, but that was relatively successful, and they just dump it. I feel like VR was a dream this summer that they're going to j- dump a year down the line. Uh, see, I, 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 I love. I hope I'm VR. wrong. Yeah, I, I love my VR. Um, do I wish there were much better, uh, much more games? Absolutely. Uh, I assume some some companies are producing. Even the Batman Arkham game. I mean, that was a glorified tech demo, but that was still pretty fucking cool. Oh, the Batman game's brilliant. Rick and Morty game's good, but again, you it, it, like you say, it's a very it's a demo. It's a demo length, and you left wanting more and starved in between releases. Well, and and not like I I know this is gonna sound like I'm defending the VR, but I don't think. We as customers are ready for those long experiences because the VR technically is not designed to play for long periods of time. No, definitely not. I played the whole of Resident Evil 7 for so about 15 hours. Um, not in one sitting, but I did that all in VR, maybe a little bit more than 15 hours. And I've played Skyrim in VR, but you, you will struggle with a long game in VR. Right. It's not it's not ready yet. The technology's not quite there yet. So, I mean, like I said, I'm not I'm not I like I'm defending VR here, but I'm not defending VR. I'm saying maybe the games that we have right now are short and, you know, are basically that way because we as a society are not ready to sit there for 14, 15, 16 hours in VR. But you know, even I, the, yeah, even then tricky though. There's only a handful of good games. If, even if you're right, and you are right, some of them are really good games, but there's only a handful. I, and yes, I do I wish there was more? Absolutely. But I'm not hating on it, and I don't see that Sony has abandoned it, so to speak. So, Well, I'll wait and see what they do when the 5 comes out. I assume the developers are taking time to develop games that don't make you feel like your head's going to fall off after having it on for, because it really, it, it's uncomfortable sometimes if you play it for long periods of time. You do feel very, or I feel very sick. Um, the experience is fantastic. It's unbelievable. And anyone who's got a PlayStation or who can get near VR should try one at least once. Absolutely. All right. So we're going to go into our topic of the week. Now uh, we're going to be talking about the last of us too. Uh, at some point, uh, Alex is going to be putting in a spoiler tag and telling you where to continue uh, to listen so you're not spoiled. But 
Uh, we're going to give you the news right now, and then if we go into spoiler territory, we'll give you full warning, at least a five-second warning for you to hit the pause button or stop button on your listening device. All right, so this article is coming from Forbes, of all places, Forbes.com. The article's title is The Last of Us Part Two's Laura Bailey is getting death threats over the Abbey role. Uh, the article says, while there's been a very vocal contingent of the so-called Last of Us Part 2 fans angry about Abby's role in the game, some of the venom has spilled over into real life. The actress who plays Abby in the game, Laura Bailey, posted some screenshots of messages she's been getting, which include violent threats against herself and family. Uh, now I'm going to read you some of the quotes from her tweet. Her tweet says, man, I only... I try to only post positive stuff on here, but sometimes this just gets a little overwhelming. I blacked out some of the words because, you know, spoilers. Side note, thank you for all the people make, sending positive messages to bounce it out, which means more than I can say. Some of the messages being sent to Laura Bailey says, I'm going to kill you because you blank in The Last of Us Part 2. I'm going to find out where you live and slaughter you for what you did to blank. Mark my fucking words. I will stab you. I just want to say you should die, bitch. Fuck you. You ruined it. I hope your parents die and die by a hard cancer. I will find you and I will kill your kid for, for that. Just wait for that. And fuck you, dumb Abby bitch. Go fuck yourself. This this is this is the problem is that people cannot separate the person, the actor who is playing the role, and the actual fictional character in a video. I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind. But the voice actress is different to the person that modeled her, so she looks nothing like her. Also, her name is is different. It's it's her name. Her yeah. name is not Abby. <laughs> it's funny you guys are doing that because literally the next article uh, the next article says. It's both scary and bizarre as most of the messages are acting like Bailey actually is Abby, the character she plays in the video game. Bailey, an actress, did not even have a role in writing her character and the writers should be threatened by either, but this entire thing is just awful and incredibly dumb. Now, the article goes on to say that, you know, many people in the industry have come out and supported her. Some people have defended her, including Neil Druckmann, who said... Uh, I'm, let me go to the uh, Naughty Dog statement. Uh, I, I've actually got Neil Druckmann's sort of uh, the tweets. Have you read the tweets that have been sent to him? No, I have not seen those. Wow. I'm ju- I've just got some in front of me here, so I can read some of them off while you bring their article up if you want. I'm not going to read some of them because some of them are, are unbelievably offensive. But just to give you a little taste while you bring up their, their statement, um, at Neil Druckmann, I hope you get the coronavirus. Go die in a hole, you radical feminist pig. Um, hopefully COVID-19 kills your whole toxic feminist studio. Man, this makes me want to root for the Xbox. This is all your fault, you Israeli piece of shit. Die, you f- What do you expect from a fucking Jew that has no home? What is wrong with people? What? Are the- <sighs> I'm trying to f- find it now because I'm, I'm, it, it was posted to Naughty Dog's Facebook page and now I can't find the actual statement because Naughty Dog actually put it out I don't think, I don't think we statement. need to read like quotes about this because the thing is, 
stop sending Laura Bailey death threats because it's fucking ridiculous that you would do that and stop sending shitty awful messages and like threatening and like wishing to do harm or wishing harm would come to Neil Druckmann or people he knows because it's fucking ridiculous. It's a video game. If you are upset with how the story went, that is fine. It's a video game. They are fictional characters. Nobody in that game. I know Naughty Dog does story and characters real well and people fall in love with the characters, but these are not real people. No one in that game feels fucking pain, but the people you're sending these messages to certainly feel emotional distress and they can feel pain. So just stop sending these fucking messages, you psychos, because it does nobody any good and you're not proving anything by sending them. Can't be said any better. <laughs> All right, so this is this was Naughty Dog's statement. Uh, they put out a tweet. Uh, it says, "Although we welcome critical dis- discussion, we condemn any form of harassment or threats directed towards our team or cast. Their safety is our top priority. We must all work together to root out this type of behavior and maintain a constructive and compassionate discourse." You know why they can't do that? Because the internet gives people anonymity to some degree. And people feel like they, on the other end of a keyboard, can say anything they fucking want to on Twitter or whatever social media platform or whatever message board, Reddit, what have you. They feel safe in the ability to say shit like that. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, the the keyboard warriors out there, uh, it... it, (laughs) Listen, I'm going to tell you and and I, I'm going to try to do this without spoiling anything. It is very clear to anybody that's ever listened to the show how much I love The Last of Us. I played The Last of Us Part 2. I finished it. I'm going to go back and get the platinum in it. Uh, there are many choices inside of this game that I personally had a problem with and while it was happening and while I was doing the things that I personally did not agree with I never once decided to hate on somebody's creative decision inside of a game because why would you we've that's the that's the normal response. That's the rational response. Well, I don't like this, but I'm not going to go threaten somebody on Twitter. Okay, so now, but now I'm, but now I'm going to spoil something. So, Alex, please put the spoil tag. Just here. a I, like in post edit, I will put or during the edit, I will put a thing telling you to jump to this time if you don't want any spoilers from the Last of Us Two story. So, these spoilers are about to start now. Before Tricky talks again. I will put a note in there saying, jump to this time. Here I am, dear listeners, ready to lead you safely to the land of no spoilers. If you'd like to skip all the spoilers of our discussion of The Last of Us Part 2, please direct your device to a 1 hour, 19 minutes, and 5 seconds. We've all, like, okay, so me and Mark have finished the game. Alex, you are working through the game. I, I am in Seattle, day two of Abby's half of the game. Okay, Which, by so the way, what I'm about to say when Ab- when Abby got to the theater, I was real fucking surprised when they went to to the flashback to hers her days, and I found out that I was playing through three days in her timeline because I was like, man, I like I thought it was over, and now I've got like another half game to play. 
All right. So the one of the major criticisms of the game so far is the fact that Joel dies in a very gruesome way. And a lot of people are pissed off because they're saying that Joel deserved better. Not and, and that's the argument that I I like I'm having a hard time understanding is because people are not pissed that Joel got killed. People are pissed on how Joel got killed. They they're talking about the 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 main criticism that I'm seeing, and we talked about this before the show. Is that Joel deserved better? That Joel wouldn't have walked into a trap the way he did, and all. And they're saying that uh, they killed Joel just to enhance the story, and it's, in their words, an asshole's move, and Joel deserved better. I'm going to tell you, and I joke about this all the time. Um. Uh, Joel's death really fucking pissed me off to the point that when he died, I stopped playing the game. And when you guys heard me on uh, an episode or two ago where I said that I was taking my time with the game, it's because that had just happened and I was really fucking pissed off. Yeah, but how could you not not see that coming, Tricky? I saw maybe, it coming. Maybe not the group, because I told you before I even started playing that I was clinching and I was prepared for some serious heartbreak. You didn't know maybe how brutal it was going to be or when it was coming, but you had to kind of know it was coming. No, no. What, when I say it pissed me off, I'm not pissed off because Joel died. I'm pissed off because Joel died and Ellie was forced to watch it happen. And I, my rage was coming from the fact of feeling what Ellie was feeling. Yeah, but did you not? I was pissed. I, I was pissed off that he just put himself in that position and let himself sort of get. He gave himself up in a way, but that had to happen for the rest of the story to play out the way it played out. I'm mean, and and I don't disagree with you, but there are also ways that it could have happened. You know, some something else could have happened. The arguments are somebody else could have died. They could, uh, you know, a lot of people leading up to the game, uh, knowing that, you know, Neil Druckmann said this game is about hate. There's a lot of people thought that Dina was going to be the one that was killed. And that was Ellie was going to take the revenge. Well, that, that, There wouldn't be enough of, I mean, Dina is one of the characters that was introduced in order. Like this story is about Ellie and her growth as into adulthood and Dina and like her exploring her relationship with Dina and then becoming closer is all about Ellie growing up. So Dina was a necessary part, but also Dina was not used all that well because she's used a lot at the beginning, but then as the story goes on, she tails off for, you know, certain story reasons. But that's another relationship I think they could have done a lot better with was Dina and Ellie. Now with Joel, I know, like, like I said, I was, I'm not pissed at Naughty Dog for making the choice to kill Joel and take the story and put it all on Ellie and introduce new characters. I was pissed at Abby and the other wolves, the WLF members, because I it's been a long time, not since Lazarevich in Uncharted 2 almost killed Elena, that I, I hated. I hated a video game character and I wanted revenge. Um, I want to, I wanted to essentially, like go and take out every single person in that room 
to let them know how much they had not only hurt me, but also hurt Ellie by taking out one of the best characters in The Last of Us. And that's part of what I was saying earlier. I was saying that, you know, if you're going to kill Joel, then you need to make sure that the relationships you cultivate in The Last of Us 2 are just as strong or stronger as in The Last of Us Part 1, which was all Ellie and Joel. But the best segments of the game were still Ellie and Joel in the flashback segments that were padding, that were in between, the kind of go-betweens, the segues, each day that she experienced in Seattle. So I think that's one of the big failings of theirs, is that Joel and Ellie is still the best combo they've got, and no one else in the game that they introduced in the sequel can match up to that. Well, I mean, and but let's be real about something here, Alex. They, you had an entire game of that relationship. In order to get that kind of relationship, they would have had to focus The Last of Us Part Two solely on one relationship. And you 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 didn't you're not getting that in this game. Well, I mean, for you know, for how many people travel along with Ellie from Tommy to Dina to Jesse, none of them are in there very long. Like a lot of the game, you play as Ellie by herself, and a lot of the game, when at least that I've experienced with with Abby, a big chunk of the game that I play so far is Abby is her alone. Right, but you also have to remember this game is five years past where we ended on The Last of Us Part One. So things have relaxed a little bit. I mean, yes, they're still going out and doing their patrols. They're, they're doing what they need to do to survive and whatnot. But they, they've they relaxed a little bit and they've gotten into routines where the first one was getting across the country and surviving. This more set in five years later is mo- norm- is more normalized. So things have gotten back, you know, Things have been more relaxed. So when people sit there and they say, well, Joel wouldn't have walked in that much of a trap. I firmly believe he would have because he's more relaxed. And his actions in the first game was not to trust anybody because he was trying, you know, it was new. And that was, but now that he has a daughter to look after, uh, you know, he looks at Ellie as his daughter, obviously. He's more relaxed, and he saved Abby. And in that process, while they're running away, Abby turns to him and says, I have this place we can go to. And they walk into that scenario. What the What's out of context for that thing is I don't necessarily think it's a Joel walking into a trap. It was the fact that Tommy opened his mouth and said their real names. Because if you look at that scene, if you go back and watch that scene, not one person in that room reacted until they said their real names. Then you see in the background of the two people on the couch, they turn around and they 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 turn like, oh, shit, this is the guy we're looking for. The whole thing with Joel and Tommy going back to their place, like, they had just been running. They just saved somebody, and they were running from a horde. And, you know, I assume that they would, you know, say, okay, well, we have fought alongside this person. We have saved this person's life. Surely we can trust them not to do harm to us. Um, Well, see, uh, uh, but, Alex, the point I'm trying to get to is people are saying that Joel and Tommy walked into a trap. My thing is— hindsight's 20-20. No, no, no. It wasn't a trap because Abby's 
motivation at that point when they were running from the, the herds on the horsebacks was not to lure Joel into the house because at that time, Abby didn't know who Joel was. All she knew was two men just saved her from clickers and, you know, the infected. Runners. It wasn't until... Right. It wasn't until they got into the house and they said their name that everybody realized who it was. So Joel wasn't running into a trap. Joel was running to save Abby. And then once they said their names, they said, oh, shit, we found the person we're looking for. And then they attacked. Joel didn't walk into a trap. Yeah, but but she went in the general direction where she knew Joel was. So when she found these two men roughly aged of the guys who she was looking for, she roughly knew one of them was Joel, you also, 100%. You think they had cameras um, at the fireplace? Yeah, she, she kind of knew what she was looking for. But I think that no matter how he dies, Joel, no matter how he dies or what story Naughty Dog wanted to tell, they had to to, to tell this story and to have the events play out they wanted it to do. It had to be brutal. It had to be in your face. It had to be the most outrageous thing that you've probably seen in a video game to, to elicit the response from Ella. So to be fair, I don't think any death in I think every death in this world is brutal. I mean, you've seen people with their yeah. trails ripped out. You mm-hmm. see what clickers do to people. You see what you do to other people when you kill them, like slashing throats and shit. Like the deaths in in every aspect of this game, even the NPCs you just walk upon who have been dead for, you know, months now, it's all brutal. And I and I see and I seen the people get uh you talk about the brutality. Uh, and I'm sorry for cutting you off. I'm also seeing people are hating on this game because uh, sometimes when you kill a dog, it it's very brutal. Yeah, I, I kind of took issue with the dog inclusion in there. I know they're a different type of enemy that um, when you go up against them, they are, you know, they present a different challenge. But man, like trying to protect yourself while taking out a dog just to get to the story. And you don't have to just take out one dog. You got to take out quite a few. Like it's it's pretty awful. Like I I had an issue with that. And yeah, I mean I took I took them down by gunshot or I, I I shot them with an arrow. But I mean like there there are some sequences like at when you first play as Abby, uh, back in day one of Seattle, like when you switch control over to her fully, like there they have the the dogs in the pens and you play with them. You can play fetch with a dog and you can pet a dog. And like there's Alice who is Owen's dog, Owen and Mel's dog eventually. That you get to know and go on a mission with Alice. So I mean, they they do treat some of like, you know, some of the animals like you like they are shown to be taken care of. But at the same time, like putting them in this scenario, like I don't know, maybe it sounds terrible, but I have more of a problem with hurting an animal in a game than I do with shooting like an infected or like the scars who are these religious nutcases. Like I I I don't know. I guess I'm just more used to fighting enemies of that. It's the squeal. It's the dog noise. It's yeah, the noise it, they it make really when you kill them. It's the noise. <laughs> the first time that I meleeed a dog, I, 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 I'm, I'm not even joking when I say this. I paused the game. I put the controller down. Yeah. And I looked at the goddess, and there was a tear coming out of my eye. And she's like, "What's wrong?" I said, "I cannot believe how I just killed that dog." It it hit me hard. The sound's brilliant. They did a good job with the sound, but yeah, I mean, 
Alex is right. I mean, the, killing the dogs is harder than killing sort of anything else oh, in God. the game. I, I, I didn't, like, obviously, I, I don't want any kind of animal cruelty, but I did that it surprised me how bad I felt about killing that dog. I, I put the control down and I went and smoked the cigarette. I was like, it, it took me a good 20 minutes to be able to ready to go back because I was like, man, that was brutal. And I, and I like, and, and kept telling myself the entire time, I was like, it's just a video game. It's just a video game. It's just a video game. But it didn't matter. I was like, that, like, that, that hit me. Yeah. And we're not going on Twitter, you know throwing shade at Neil Druckmann or threatening Neil Druckmann yeah. because, you know, he put dog or they, the Naughty Dog team decided to put dogs in there for us to... But, I, but I've seen I've seen people tweet out, fuck you Naughty Dog, I will not play this game because you made me murder a dog. Then do you know what, Tricker? Research your games better if you're these people. Research your games and don't buy these games. It's as simple as that. You, know, I knew what I was getting into buying this game. I knew it wasn't going to be Spyro or Crossfire. I knew we weren't getting a colourful cartoon game. Played the first one like everyone else did, and you have a general idea of what world you're playing in and what can happen. So you know what you're buying with a with a a Naughty Dog game and with a Last of Us game. So these people who were shocked at this level of violence or this type of storyline don't buy the game. Simple. Somehow they made this game even darker than the last one, and I was pretty bleak. And and there were spoilers released beforehand that showed what had happened. I stayed clear of them, but then I've gone back and watched them since I've completed the game. They had leaked pictures and leaked storylines. And and that was part of the leaked storyline, um, what happened um, with Abbe. But I just don't I don't get why you then purchase a game, then sit down and play it, and then send tweets like that to people. It's disgusting. I, I've seen I've seen uh, people bitch and saying "fuck you, Naughty Dog." I I watched a video of a guy who, after Joel's death, ejected the game out of his system and, and smashed the disc into two pieces. Like, okay, we've we've established that people are nuts and people do crazy fucking things. I mean, let, let's focus more on the game here. I, I want to bring you guys back to Joel's death scene, and you know, part uh, a big part of the hubbub is that people feel like Joel deserved better. I, you know, in that scene. It's it's brutal, and but you look at it like the guy gets shot in the leg. He's held both of his arms are held down by two other people, and Abby beats him near de- to near death with a golf club. Like I don't know what people, what kind of superhero form he, they were expecting him to take and to get out of that. But I mean, he wasn't getting out of that, and I think that his death, like it was brutal. It served its purpose, and I, I feel like his death was the only one that could elicit that kind of thing to push, propel Ellie forward. And in that moment, the most powerful thing is not necessarily his death, but the way that you see Ellie react in the moments leading up to that final blow, because it's there, like, you know, their relationship, you don't learn this till later on, but their relationship has been deteriorating for the in, in, the, in the previous years because, you know, Joel finally tells Ellie the truth about... Uh, the, you know, being at the Fireflies base and, and the thing that would have killed her to make the antidote. And she has kind of stepped away from Joel. In that moment, her begging and pleading, both Joel and Abby, you see how much she loved Joel. And it came back out and his death evoked all of that emotion, which she seemingly had shrugged off in in the previous years leading up to it, like the two or so years leading up to that. So, in that respect, his death was um, I think that he had the death that was, at least in this universe, it was an appropriate death. 
did Joel deserve to live to a ripe old age um, with Ellie and everyone at a nice funeral? Sure. But in this world, he got the kind of death that people get. But did he deserve it? I mean, you're obviously not right at the end of the game, Alex. So I don't want to say too much. But if you go, if, yeah, if you go back, over... that he doesn't want to spoil anything else. So I'm assuming something else is coming. Um, well, yeah. But if you go back over the events of the first episode and what he'd have had to do over the probably five years that he spent in that camp, Joe wasn't all roses and he wasn't all they all singing all dancing he must have done some horrific things during that post-apocalyptic world that if you were on the other side then you'd probably look at him and go well he deserved everything that he got if that first story was say from abby's side you'd probably go oh maybe maybe get he got what he deserved but here's the thing was you as you go throughout the game you see all the terrible things the wlf does and the WLF is very self-assured. They think they're right. And as you progress through the game and you read some of the stories, they clearly aren't right. Because there's a story about uh, the gentleman Boris and his daughter, who the WLF killed just for for spray-painting things. I mean, the, the, the WLF is very brutal, and they kill people over the smallest things. So, I think the majority of people who, who, who are alive in that time now in The Last of Us 2, have probably done some bad things to get to where they are. Yeah, because they're still alive. Yeah, exactly. So more more than more or less, most of them would have probably have killed another human being or killed someone else or sacrificed someone to, to live as long as they have. And you sort of get that little backstory from little bits of them. And that's where Naughty Dog's so clever and so good at telling those stories that, well, I mean, look at the look at the passionate response it gets from people. <laughs> I suppose you could call it passionate. Yeah, but I mean, like, I mean, one of the big things is that Joel killed Abby's dad, who was the surgeon who was working on Ellie in the first game, at the end of the first game. But, you know, it's not like Joel was trying to kill, didn't know it was her dad. He wasn't trying to kill anybody. He was trying to save Ellie, and he did what he had to do to save Ellie. And we all agreed, or at least Tricky and I agreed, I don't know about you, Mark, but at the end of The Last of Us, I would have done the same damn thing that um, Joel did. Joel did. Sorry, world, like, if there's someone I care about and the choice between saving their life and a vaccine for a lot of people that I don't really fucking know, I'm going to choose that person. Like, I'm going to save that person over whoever else. And 100% agree. But then, on the flip side, wouldn't you have done exactly the same thing Abby did? But he, but Abby killed out of vengeance. When Joel didn't like, he wasn't trying to hurt anybody. He just wanted to get Ellie out of there. And and there you can make arguments. You can say like, do you see where Abby's coming from? Because you know, there's the nice scene with her and her dad saving the zebra, um, at before you start her full playthrough in the second half of the game. And he seems like a very nice man, and he has a lot of reservations about working on Ellie because he knows it'll kill her, and he he has a lot of feelings about that, so he seems like a good man. Yes. I I don't want to say he did not deserve to die. But Joel wasn't trying to kill anybody, whereas Abby very clearly was just trying to kill somebody. Like, I, I, I don't know. To save Ellie and and that, that in, in that situation, there was no getting her out of there except to do that. And would you all have been okay with if he had walked out of there and just let Ellie die. Well, here, okay. Well, let's let's dive into this for a second. First of all, in the Last of Us Part One, through all the notes and the recordings and everything like that, it was very clear that there was no guarantee they were going to find a cure. 
So when I say that I would have done exactly what Joel did and the fact of getting Ellie out of there, it's because I'm not I'm not willing to sacrifice my pseudo daughter for a possible cure that may not even materialize. Even if it was guaranteed, I would have done the same thing. Yeah, even if it was a even if it was a guaranteed cure tricker, I, I got to be honest with you, and I I know this is very easy to say when you're not in the moment. But if there was a guaranteed cure, I'm not so sure I would have done what Joel did. I'd have, I'd have done it in the blink of an eye. Now, listen, I and I'm and I'm saying that very well, knowing that I'm I'm sacrificing one life to save the others, and I understand the emotional connection. But I I I can't easily say that I would I would have done if I knew there was a guarantee of a cure which there's no way they could have. I'm not saying that I would have done what Joel did, but knowing that there is not a hundred percent, absolutely. I agree with what Joel did. Now, Alex, you kind of touched on this with Abby. Abby has vengeance in her heart because all she knows is that her father was hesitant to do the surgery. And Somebody who was, traveled across the country to bring the cure decided to betray everybody at the at the last moment and wound up killing her father. I'm not saying like what Abby did was right, wrong, or indifferent, but you could fully understand Abby going and killing, looking for vengeance for the man that killed her father. Well, and to be clear, like Abby and her friends let Tommy and Ellie live in that scene. They don't kill them. Some of them want to kill him, but Owen and Abby say, no, we're done here. You're not going to do that. Right, because they, their their target was Joel. It was never, we're just going to kill randomly. They solely went after Joel. But, I mean, that the entire second half of the story is to introduce you to Abby and to for you to understand her motivations. And a lot of times we don't see the that side of things you don't have a second half of a movie going through a villain's explanation or like the reasoning behind a villain getting to know them and i call her the villain some people may not say her as villain regardless of what happened between joel and her father because i know joel and i saw joel interact with not only people of jackson but more so ellie and everything that he did to look out for her for taking her to the museum with the dinosaurs and just kind of always looking out for her and caring for her and knowing how much he cared for his brother and his daughter. There's no way, or at least I would find it very hard to believe, and I haven't finished it, so I mean, you guys, just keep that in mind, but Abby is the villain to me, and the W, maybe not just Abby, but the WLF, and I can't get that out of my head. You can sit there and have, like, these cute conversations with T and them, and, like, meet all the people they know and they're friends with, but to me, the WLF is a villain. I agree. I agree. I agree. I mean, after the first, I, I get both sides of it. But after the first game, after playing as Joel and Ella, watching her kill Joel, no matter how much I, I kind of agree with the reasons. Um, of, I, I can understand. I don't agree. I can understand why she did it. it, it you still look at her and think, mm, I, I, I don't want to be playing as you at the moment. But I think there's also quite a clever well-written undertone of sort of mental health problems with both Abbott and um, Ella. Because if you if you think that they have really sort of post-traumatic re- replays of both those events going on at different points of the story, which I think that they did very, very well. 
Yeah, I mean, in, in, any, in any other game, I might have liked Abby, but in this game, because she did in Joel's life, and I, I liked Joel so much, and I thought so highly of him, I mean, like, you could say that Joel killed people brutally. Yes, Ellie did too, though. So, like like we've said, everybody in this game that you know that you've seen is living, they have, pro- unless they're a small child, they have probably killed somebody. But And you also got to remember, at the end of the first game, a lot of people asked the question, is Joel the, the villain in this story? Because uh, when Joel made the decision to pull Ellie off that table, a lot of people said, is Joel the the villain? Well, here's like, like I mean, yes, the clickers and the um, as the scars call them, the demons, the runners, the infected, they are very clearly the violent threat, or the well, the I mean, humans are the, the violent threat. But clearly, like in a classical story, they are the monsters; they would be the villain. But as far as the human components go, there's not really a clear cut villain among them. I mean, yes, I think the WLF is the, the villain because learning about all the atrocities they carried out and how you know self-assured they were and it was the right thing well, would to do. you say the fire would you say the fireflies were the villains of the first game i mean you could make an argument but you could also say that they're just trying to save the world i mean like we've talked about it's a world of brutality and everyone has carried out their own brutalities in order to survive and progress but could you say the wolves were just trying to protect the world too you can say that but also you can look at what they had done to try to do that i mean you could say that like they, like you could say that a government today would bomb a country full of hateful people, but also innocent civilians, and say, "Well, well their pro- their their um, perspective is that they're saving the world by getting rid of all those evil people, regardless of what happens to the innocent civilians." I I think that it, there's not a clear cut human villain because I again they try to give you Abby's side and understand what her motivations are, but I also think that me being like Team Ellie and Team Joel, I'm like. You hurt somebody I cared about. Fuck you. You're going down. I don't care if in any, any other story you would be viewed in a positive light. You were the villain to me, and I'm coming after you. I I think sorry. I think Joel's the villain in the first one. If Ellie knows what she's letting us, what she, what's going to happen, and why it's going to happen. If Ellie gets explained to her, look, we could probably cure everyone, but you're probably going to die. And she goes, look, I'm cool with that. I'll go under. But she had no knowledge of what was going to happen. Exactly. That, and was, it just, that was another big point. In the that, I think that was the big thing. Yeah. That she didn't know she would die from the procedure. She didn't. Yeah. She didn't know she'd die. She hundred percent didn't know she'd die, but she, she knew she was going for procedure, but she didn't think she'd die. Whereas then Joel finds out just before she's, it's all going to happen. And I think that's what makes him less of a villain because then he's doing it purely for love. Whereas if it was her choice and he'd gone against her wishes, then he would have looked a lot more villainous for me. I see. I I I I disagree because in, in the cut in the scenes, she says you took that away from me. So I think she knew she was going to die. No, I I think he means you just took the opportunity for me to be a hero away from her. She definitely one hundred percent in that first game. I I actually went back because someone else had said this to me, so I went back and watched the cutscenes, and she didn't know she would die. He found it later on a tape recorder, and um, so she definitely didn't know. Now, if she'd have known that, Joel would have been definitely in the wrong and had to step well out of line if they were her wishes to sort of save humanity. But since she didn't know and she was his little girl lay on an operating table, you can understand why he's, why he's done what he's done. 
All right. Uh, I, I don't want to cut this off because I really think I, I'm enjoying this conversation. You <laughs> want to say some, some stuff with the PG spoilers. And also, uh, it is really late for Mark as it is approaching... Uh, Plus, Alex hasn't finished a game yet. I could, <laughs> yeah. I could stay, I could stay up and talk another hour on this. But. Yeah, it's it's a, it's like two two o'clock in the morning for Mark right now. So we're gonna go ahead and close out the show. Uh, so, Alex, this is your timestamp. Hey, everybody! It's that time of the show. You know it, where we clean this shit up. Now we love interacting with you all, but we want to let you all know how you can interact with us. You can go to Facebook and check out our Facebook page. You can also go to Twitch. We're on Twitch twitch.tv forward slash proving gamer if email is your thing trophy whores at proving is the address or you can even call us and leave a message on our phone number 330 proven 9 that's 330-776-8369 if you like what we do here on trophy whores there are other podcasts on the proven gamer podcast network those are pg spoilers and game stuff now where can you find all of these lovely podcasts Apple Podcast, which is formerly iTunes Podcast, Stitcher, various podcast apps, Google Play, and you can find Trophy Horse and Game Stuff on Pandora, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Now, before we leave you all for the evening, we got to share our lovely sponsor with you all, Amazon.com, the world's largest retailer, world's largest online retailer, where shopping is simple from your couch and you don't even have to leave your house. But before you go to Amazon.com, go to ProvingGamer.com first. We have a link to Amazon on our front page. Hit the link. It'll take you exactly to where you want to go to your shopping experience. It's not a huge step, and it definitely helps out the website a ton. So please take that extra step for us. We would greatly appreciate it. If you want to support us on Patreon, we have a page. It's Patreon.com forward slash ProvingGamer. And even if you can't support us with money, we would gladly have your marketing, your word of mouth, your recommendations. If you would recommend us to a friend, a family, a coworker, a neighbor, we would greatly appreciate it. Best marketing we can ask for. And last but not least, we are proud to be a partner with the Humble Bundle. HumbleBundle.com is a charity initiative that every week bundles together digital media in tiered bundles. These tiered bundles, you get to name your own price, but it's not quite as easy as that because because they are tiered. You, the more you put in, the more of the content you'll get. Now, of course, it being charity, the more money you can give, the better. But the bundles are typically a very great value, so the more money you put in, it's a win-win situation. That is going to wrap it up for this part of the housekeeping, but that is also going to bring us to the greatest part of the show, shout-outs. All right, so let's close out the show with some shout-outs. Mark, we're going to give you the floor first, sir. All right, so, so I, I knew this was going to come to me first, and I had no idea I was going to shout out. So I wanted to shout out you guys just for letting me come on. I know sort of you didn't have yield, but after seven years of just listening and some of the stuff that you've sort of, I, I've explained it's tricky a little bit in Facebook messages about how you have helped me through some rough times, but the show means sort of quite a lot to me. So it's been an honor to sort of come on. So definitely shout out to you guys. Thank you. Alex, your shout-out, sir? Uh, give a shout-out to the listeners, the fans, the fuel to the fire that is trophy whores, like our dear friend Mark here. Uh, thank you all for listening and pushing the show to even greater heights. We appreciate you guys because, let's be honest, without you all, we would not still be a thing. Trophy whores would not have grown so much and continue to be a thing, like, what, nine years down the road? Uh, well, September will be ten years I've been doing trophy whores. Yeah, so, yeah, almost, almost ten years. But, um, yeah, thank you all very much for continuing to support the show. Give a shout-out to Tricky as well as Yield, who cannot join us. More importantly, though, give a shout-out to Mark, who is an awesome guest, 
finally glad to have you on the show, sir. And just thank you for, uh, well, one, thank you for giving Okambi a chance. And also, thank you just <laughs> for being a longtime listener. Seven years is a lot of fucking time. And uh, we definitely appreciate hearing that, you know, the show means something to you. And it's not just something you turn on to waste time during a week. Oh, no, it's definitely not that. I'll let Tricky explain off my yard rather than not on, because... But it'll, exp- it'll explain. That's perfectly fine. Uh, last but not least, I want to give a shout-out to my awesome girlfriend, Ashley, who uh, she is thinking about playing through The Last of Us Part Two. Hopefully she hasn't gotten that many spoilers from listening to me play in the bedroom. Uh, but yeah, I love you, honey. And uh, that is going to be the end of my shout-outs. Well, I will tell you, before you started it, uh, Ashley sent me a message saying that if you don't start this soon, she was going to fucking start it. <laughs> I saw that on Facebook. <laughs> Had a little loose ends to tie up in another game, but you know we're good now. Mm. We're we're fully delved into the Last of Us Part Two, and uh, hopefully I can grab most of the collection trophies my first time through. I'm hoping, but Naughty Dog always throws a few, a handful of them, a few of the secrets like into places I would never think to look. All right, so I did, uh, I did find the engraved ring and the strange artifact first time through. Nice. Uh, a little trophy tip, uh, non-spoiler trophy tip for The Last of Us 2. Uh, I told Alice this, uh, without spoiling it, and Alice, it didn't spoil anything for you, right? What? The two trophy tips I told you? No, they didn't. Okay. So, the two, uh, tips I'm gonna tell you is when you get to Seattle... Go to every location because there's a trophy for getting uh, every location or uh, going to every Seattle location. And that's that's in the open world segment, which we've seen them throw open world segments into Uncharted in recent years, which they continued here with The Last of Us. And the tro- second one is going to be a little vague, but will make sense when you get to this part of the game if you have not gotten there yet. Uh, when you get the chance, put a hat on your companion. Also, there are two more secret trophies, Tricky. I mean, you didn't mention these to me, but basically, uh, if you're in a competition with somebody, come in first. Win. Because <laughs> there are two trophies yeah. tied to that. The hat part, Tricky, Alex mentioned before, and he's passed that. Yeah, well, now he's passed it, but yes. Yeah. All right. Hold on. The uh, hard part? Like, the hat. Hat. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I- I'm well past that. All right. Uh, and I... Want to give a shout out to the goddess and sweet mama D, who came in here and uh, secretly gave me a kiss on the cheek, telling me to hurry up because she wants to play Minecraft Dungeons. Until next week, happy trophy hunting. Later. Bye. All right, so Mark just gonna finish this, and then we're gonna do the five second countdown and the silence. theme song is Venus by the band Even off their album Zenith. Permission granted by the band and 12 Stone Records. You can find them on Facebook by going to www.facebook.com slash Even Philippines.